Hi, Louis. Welcome on Director Talks and thank you for being with me uh, this afternoon. I mean, obviously it's afternoon on your end and evening, almost night in my end. So uh, before we can start talking about remote filmmaking and how it's been like trending after the pandemic, mostly during the quarantine period, uh, I would like to know how did you start your journey as a filmmaker? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here talking to you, Mary. Um, I started my journey uh, a long time ago, many years ago, <laughs> because I basically always wanted to be a film director since I was a little kid. So I always knew that was the direction and it was just a matter of trying to figure out how to get there. Because as most of us know, in the film business, there's not just one way. You don't just go to film school or, you know, join a production company and then automatically you become a film director. It, that would be so easy, but, but unfortunately it's not like that. So there are many different ways and paths to take. And mine was a little bit mix of everything. So I did go to film school in Denmark. It was not the traditional one where you spend four years. It was a much more intensive place where you actually live at the school, but it was only one year. It was an international school. So there were people from all over the world. Um, and I think that that's kind of funny uh, thinking about where I am today, where um, I very much uh, embrace the whole international filmmaking and remote filmmaking. So, so that's kind of where it started. And from there, I went through some different studies. I also went to New York to study at NYU for some time. And I came to Barcelona, um, joined different production companies, worked for free, worked for almost no pay, you know, the, like okay. the typical <laughs> thing that everybody has to go through to learn and to create contacts. Um, and then started to make my own projects. So that's uh, a very long story told in a few words. <laughs> right. So you've made a, a series of short films and I think you have a podcast, uh, Changing Their Narrative. It's all about women making a difference. Uh, so tell us something about your podcast before we move into the remote filmmaking because that is a major chunk of it. Right. Yeah, I, I came across this platform that's called XOTV. And it's kind of like YouTube, but they give a lot of uh, control to the filmmakers and to the video creators there. Um, and so I thought it would be interesting to create a channel because I felt like I met so many interesting women. I'm very much um, an advocate for women and equality and a member of many different organizations that are promoting female filmmakers so it's definitely a passion of mine to give voice to women and I wanted to um, create this platform that's called changing the narrative because I feel there are so many stereotypical images of um, women obviously also of uh, minorities other types of minorities not that women are minorities but other groups um, but uh, for me it was important to um, to talk to women and show them that uh, we don't have to be what society tells us to be we can break through break out of these images and um, and do something completely different and so I interviewed 10 different women 
that indeed have very different um, experiences and it all uh, it was all kind of connected to this red thread of let's break with stereotypes and let's change the narrative of society so a lot of the interviews I have to say are very um, focused on um, violence and sexual violence and domestic violence and things like that so some of the interviews can be a little bit rough um, but we are very much talking about solutions also um, so I think it's uh, there are some interesting talks there and they're um, around one hour you get a free 20-minute um, preview and then there's a paid version where you can listen to the full interview actually it's a kind of a video podcast because it's uh it's a, a video talk you can see the woman uh, and me while we're talking as well okay. i did check out the website changing the narrative so i saw all those snippets of the video that are yeah there. and now coming to the major part of it like remote filmmaking so was the pill uh, the first remote film uh, you made or were there many other projects before that and i believe the pill had mostly all women uh, crew. Like I could see uh, on the snaps of the Zoom calls that you all did, mostly it's like women filmmakers. So is the what? trend being picked up by women uh, directors like us more? Um, I think the crew was made up of uh, almost equally men and women, but it was an all-female cast. So all the actresses were women. And there was definitely a big percentage of the film crew that were women as well. So we were, there were several different female producers. Um, we had a couple of writers and writers um, like uh, um, script consultants. And, um, and then of course there was me, writer and director. <laughs> um, and several other positions that were uh, female. So. Yeah, so that was great. And it, and to answer your first question, it was, I would say, my first project, first film that I did um, remotely in this way, because we didn't shoot the film remotely. I was on set. I was on location in Barcelona shooting it. But all pre-production and all post-production was 100% done remotely. Uh, so what is the difference uh, when it comes to remotely uh, doing the pre-production and the post-production uh, compared to you know, the regular shoot that you have? Yeah, I would say one of the major differences is that, first of all, um, when you have a remote shoot, it's usually because you're working with people from many different parts of the world. And so one of the big challenges is to find, just like you and me now, find the perfect time right. <laughs> to talk because we have um, time zone differences. Yes. So um, a big thing in a project like that is to talk about expectations right from the beginning. Like when are people available? How much time do they have available? Can they talk on weekends? Are they free in the morning or in the evening? Um, do they have kids, you know, things like that, so that you can organize a plan, um, kind of an agenda for your meetings, and then try to have those meetings regularly on the same time. That's one thing that was um, quite challenging. Then you also have something like 
culture and work ethics, you know, because you can have a very different way of doing things, let's say in India, as compared to the States or in Spain, where I am. And again, another difference is the language. So um, in our project, our common language was English. So everybody spoke English, but a lot of us were not native English speakers. And even if you have a, a very good English and you feel comfortable talking in English, you can still have some, you know, different words that you might or terminology or maybe some of the positions within the film crew, they are a little bit different in, in your language or in, in your country. So and even also the um, responsibilities of each, each position could be a little bit different depending on country. So, again, expectations and talking about um, communication, talking with your team about what's expected of each one of them. And then I would say uh, uh, the last thing of the pre-production is, of course, the more practical thing of, for example, rehearsing with actors. We did that over Zoom, which was very challenging, um, obviously for the actresses, because um, it's hard for them to connect with each other right. just like you and me now we're sitting here looking at each other through <laughs> zoom but it's just not the same as when you have real eye contact and right. real human um touch right. or connection yeah. so that was that was definitely a challenge and then of course we had our production designer in la but we had our art director in barcelona where we're going to shoot so she would go and visit the location and take uh, a lot of photos and videos and then we would have meetings with the production designer who would come up with things um, and then we would tell her if it would be possible or not um, consider the, the, the space and how the location was so we used a lot of mood boards um, visual boards with uh, both videos and and photos and just a lot of communication and and meetings to make sure everybody understood how the space was right so what according to you is uh, why this trend is kind of picking up is uh, cost the main thing like maybe costing less to produce something or make something virtually and through the new digital technology nowadays is it that yeah. the reason yeah i mean i think there is definitely something about the cost right because uh first of all you can sit at home and have the meetings you don't have to to meet with people anywhere you save the transportation you save time um, for the actresses they were a lot more flexible for rehearsal um, they were up to rehearsing uh, in the evening, for example, mm -hmm. which, you know, if we had to go somewhere, maybe that would be a little bit stretching it too much, asking them to rehearse at eight o'clock in the evening, but they were comfortable at home. And so, you know, that, that made the, the agenda for, for the rehearsal a lot easier. Um, and what else? I mean, also just the fact that you have the possibility of working with talented people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. You're not as an independent filmmaker, you're not just close to like, let's say you live in a smaller city or town, you know, you might not have that many contacts mm -hmm. around you. If you don't live in Los Angeles or New York or um, any of the big capitals of Europe, then maybe it's hard for you to find a crew and find people that will help you make a film or a short film or whatever project you're doing. 
So just knowing that you have basically the whole world open to you is also quite amazing. I think that was probably um, the biggest motivation for me when we started the project was like opening your mind up to the whole world and saying, I can basically choose anyone for the pre-production and post-production. Right. What I feel is sometimes, uh, maybe it's the crew also, like the lesser number of crew uh, in a location or maybe uh, nowadays they have the green screen which they can use, uh, you know, instead of going to the actual location and spending that much money and yeah, uh, uh, the whole day, spending the whole day, sometimes you have to cancel the shoot. There is some because of the weather and all those things. So that all can be avoided. I feel that is the reason uh, people are kind of doing remote filmmaking more. What do you think? Yeah. And also, yeah, I totally agree with, with what you said. And also just knowing that you have those tools available, it doesn't mean you have to go out and shoot a whole film remotely, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it just means that you have now um, the possibility of doing maybe one scene or two scenes, or maybe you forgot something, you forgot to film something, or it just didn't turn out right. And perhaps you have the option to, like you said, do it as a green screen and you don't physically have to go to the location or maybe something happened to the location. Um, maybe it was raining or the, the location got canceled or something. And all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, okay, what can I do now? Well, maybe there's a possibility of shooting something remotely. So, I mean, I... In, in the book that I um, just published, which is called Remote Filmmaking, I have a whole chapter with uh, one of my good friends who is a French director. And he did a commercial during the pandemic, uh, shooting completely in remote. But he's also done previously other projects where he didn't shoot the whole thing remotely. He just did, for example, um, the sound, he had to record some sound and some voiceover. So um, he did it with the studio, the sound studio, the actor was in the studio and he was just simply on the phone listening in and then, you know, chatting away with the sound engineer and with the, with the client and everyone involved um while he was on the phone listening to the sound and so he did that in that moment because his wife was pregnant <laughs> and, and he couldn't go away because she was just about to have the baby and so he didn't want to travel and he suggested them let's do it this way and they agreed and so just the fact that you have those possibilities open to you because of technology and because the pandemic has i think opened people's mind up to this possibility is just great to know that you have those tools I think. Coming to your book remote filmmaking uh, what was the idea and inspiration behind it was it this particular project the pill and the experiences uh, during the filming of the pill and who all uh, did you uh, interview for your book? Yeah it, it was definitely the pill which was the short film we did um, together during the pandemic and that was definitely the inspiration to write the book I actually started writing it as more as of um, a master class or a workshop you know I just wanted to do something because I felt that we had done such an amazing project with such new ways and I just wanted to share all the knowledge and all the experience that I've had with this project because I thought it was useful for other people. 
And so I wanted to put together a little workshop and I started writing the material and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I realized, wow, that there is so much material here. And, and so I thought, you know what, I'm, I think I'm going to put it um, together and, and do a book instead of doing the workshop. And then that's kind of how it all came together that in the end it became a book. Um, and I decided, as you mentioned, that I've interviewed people in the book as well. Um, at the end of the book, I have a chapter where I'm including several of the crew members that worked on the pill, on the film. Um, those are producers from, there's a producer from Miami and one from Los Angeles. Uh, there's uh, the editor, very interesting because, you know, how do you manage all those big files? We were shooting in 8K, you know, this is, we made huge files, a lot of material, and that has to be um, sent from Spain to Los Angeles and then back to Spain. And so, so that was very interesting, all the post-production workflow. Um, and then we have <clears throat> one of the actresses, um, and the, pro the production designer. I think in all together, we have 10 small mini interviews uh, where people talk about um, different aspects of remote filmmaking, all related to their own position. And then in the book, I also have um, a foreword by a, he's a producer, writer, editor, even also a director that's called Kevin Lee Miller. And he has like, 40 years of experience in Hollywood. He's a very experienced man and a wonderful writer and a wonderful mentor as well. Um, and he's really kind of guided me um, through the project with loads of good advice. And um, yeah, he was just very supportive. So he wrote a beautiful foreword talking about story and how important that is in a film. Uh, it's not just you know, all about the crew and um, all these other things that can seem very important. And of course they are, but if it's not related to the story, then it really makes no sense. And lastly, I have also an introduction made by Tina Imahara, who's another um, Hollywood editor and mentor. And she's been my mentor for the past two years. Uh, she was also the executive producer of the film. And she is just uh, a wonderful woman, a wonderful mentor who gives so much of herself to other people because she's also very experienced and have many, many years in working in Hollywood. So she really has a lot to share and, and she really loves to share that with people, her experience and her, yeah, everything that she knows. So she was actually the one who formed a Facebook group in the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. So you might have heard me or seen me talking about um, a Facebook group. And this is how we made the pill. We made it through a Facebook group, um, a group of people who just had just gotten to know each other because of the pandemic, pandemic. and everything was locked down. And yeah. then um, this woman, Tina Mahara, this editor, she um, formed a group and started mentoring people, but kind of on a group level. And she was so enthusiastic and so positive and supportive. And, and everyone was very, you know, they were very in, engaging in the conversation and in the, all the posts and 
um, supporting and helping and motivating each other. So I thought it was a really nice group, very positive group. And, and that's in that group, I kind of pitched the idea of, hey guys, what if we tried to make a film together? And none of us knew each other, you know, we'd known each other for maybe two months talking just online and on Facebook and everybody was just on board right from the beginning. So, and then um, of course, Tina became the executive producer of the film. And she has also been a great mentor and, and a producer all the way through. So, so it was very special for me to be able to include those two people in the book. Um, and in her introduction, she really explains how this group came about and how the whole thing started. So that's okay. interesting too. I'm sorry, that was a long answer. No, uh, no that is very interesting. Like through a Facebook group, you know, you come together, you don't know each other and you yeah. make a film. So that's a very interesting story. Um, coming to the last part of uh, interview, I would like to ask one question before we can wrap it up. Uh, what is your advice for uh, remote filmmakers as a writer, as a director, and how important is it to polish the story while presenting it remotely? Because when we are on set, we can obviously instruct people to act in a certain way or do it in a certain way. But through remote filmmaking, how difficult is it? And how? what are your tips for that? Yeah. yeah. I think it's in any film production very important that you as a director really communicate your vision for the story so that everyone is on board and everybody understands what what film are we really making Um, that that's important for any film production, but it is true that on uh, remote filmmaking there's a it's harder to control it's harder to. Mm, make sure that everyone is on the same page has an, yeah because you have communication through so many ways you have um zoom meetings you have maybe email you have messengers you have you have different type of platforms and that's another thing you have to agree on like what platforms are you going to use for communicating because there's just so many out there um and so you can easily miss things like somebody forgot to read their email or somebody forgot, didn't read through all the messages because there were 40 or 70 (laughs) messages to read through. And so things slip away. Um, So I think it's very important to have smaller meetings with each department all the time. So like for the director, okay, so now we're talking um, art, for example, and then we have to have the production designer and the, yeah. Uh, and the makeup and the costumes and and then we have a meeting with them and we make sure that they all understand and then you do the same thing for the camera department and the light and the sound and everyone so everyone is is on board and knows what film that what film we are making and like I said before I'm also a very visual person I think most people in the film industry are um, so it's definitely a good idea to have um, what we call vision boards or visual mood boards, boards yeah. mood boards with yeah. images so you really can communicate okay. what tone and style right. and and then I would say start with a lot of the things in pre-production don't wait with music until the end you know start already in pre-production with those things and get your if you're using a, a composer, music composer, get him on board from the beginning. 
um, let him in on the meetings as well. So he also understands or she understands what it is that you want at the end. And he or she can already start now with the music and composing. So okay. communication, communication, that's the big, <laughs> the big thing. Right. I agree on the mood board because uh, even I film two uh, short films remotely and I used to literally show them what I want about should the lighting be and the costume and the look, like location or how I want it to be made. So that's yeah. how I had done it, everything. Like you have to be really precise about what you want and what you want the actor to do or look like. So I agree with that. That's true. Yeah. 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 Because uh, at the end of the day, the director, although I very much believe in having a um, calm and fun and loving set, right. you know, when you're on set with your crew and also doing pre-production and post-production, I think you need to be respectful okay. and nice to everyone. But at the same time, as a director, you are the one who also has to be um, um uh, you have to show some authority and you're the one that in many often is the one who's deciding things right. and telling people how things are going to be so how are you going to com communicate that firmness and that you know this is now this is I'm the one that's deciding and this is how we're going to do that can sometimes be hard to do through Absolutely. emails and zoom meetings mm, yes. um, and a lot of things can be misunderstood when you right. write things so yeah. I also recommends that if you have anything that you need to say with uh, some more firmness or if you have any type of conflicts I would much prefer to do it on a video call video. instead of writing it in emails because that's when you can misunderstand each other and that's where the real conflicts can start so a lot of things you can handle on on video calls Right. So before uh, we can say bye to our viewers and our listeners, uh, where can you find your book and what are your like links so that they can connect with you or ask you questions regarding remote filmmaking? Sure. Yeah. So um, my book can be purchased right now only on Amazon. So it should be available on any of Amazon's platforms. Um, if you search on Amazon, remote filmmaking and then maybe you have to write book afterwards <laughs> remote filmmaking book I'm sure it will come up and otherwise you can definitely reach out to me and and ask for the direct link I can send it to you um, I am on uh, also my website basically if you go to my website you will see all my social media so then you can reach out to me and my uh, website is www.luisebricks.com I don't know if you're going to write that next to the podcast because okay. I think uh, it's hard to know how that is spelled okay. but Luis I'll just mention it uh, during the description perfect yeah. perfect so thank you so much Luis for being with us today on Director Talks and it was amazing talking to you and meeting a fellow remote filmmaker uh, across the world it was amazing and have a lovely day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's been great. And I also really enjoy to connect with other, especially with other female filmmakers. So it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.